0: So everyone turn into your bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3 First <clears throat> Kings and 2 Kings actually in the Hebrew Bible is actually one book called Kings. There is no first and second, it's just one book <laughs> called Kings. Now in ours, it's kind of split up into two parts, First and Second Kings. It's kind of to help us because we Americans are a little slower. we got to get a little adjusted and understand what's going on. But really, the whole entire book of First and Second Kings is one book. And this is the basic um, overall synopsis of what it's about. It's about the monarchy and the kings that are established in Israel and how it goes divided and basically goes haywire. There were so many bad kings in Israel's history. This is Israel's history book. If you go to Jerusalem today, the, the Jewish boys and girls who grow up, they read First and Second Kings as their history. Because it is. It's, it's historical facts. And so they look at David. They look at Solomon. They look at King Saul. And they look at all the kings that came after Solomon. The kingdom gets divided. There's a civil war, just like we had a civil war back in the 1800s. There was civil war in Israel, and they split. And so after Solomon was kind of the worst times in Israel's history because there were so many bad kings and very few good kings that the Lord actually had to give them a little spiritual spanking. And this is where Babylon comes into place. That's in Daniel. Because of all the sinfulness and wickedness that the kings established in Israel, and the kingdom, the kingdom is, is divided, they're worshiping other false gods. God says, okay, if you're going to live this way, I'm going to send pagan nations to, to take you captive and to subdue you until you turn back to me. And that's what happens. So jump fast forward hundreds of years later, you've got Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, and that's that prophecy that God said that Babylon would come, conquer them, and then take them away. But that's for a different study. But I just want to tell you, that's basically how Kings flows, and it goes straight into the prophets, it goes to Daniel, and basically it's, it's history that is far from the Lord. And so take courage, though, that 1 Kings is about division. There's the temple that's built, but everyone doesn't really get along. The, the kings are terrible kings. And so everything's going to go in haywire, no one really knows what's going on. But you can still remember this that God is still sovereign, still on the throne, and still has in place for a king, capital K, to come through the line of David that would establish truth, justice and righteousness. And that was Jesus. That was later in the New Testament. But you can see now in Israel's history, what, every, what everything is, <clears throat> what's going Sorry, excuse me, what's going on? Everything conspiring. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, if you want to turn there, we're not going to read it, but it kind of tells you where we are now. 1 Kings chapter 1 gives you kind of the overall passage of David's final words, King David, and then his death. His final words to his son Solomon. Solomon was going to be the king after him. There was kind of a dispute between Solomon and his half brother, Adonijah. Adonijah wanted to be king, Solomon was supposed to be king, but Adonijah said, Well, I'm going to be king. Everyone likes me, no one likes Solomon. So he kind of sets himself up as king. Word gets around, comes back to Solomon and says, Hey, Solomon, your half-brother Adonijah is trying to be king, but you're supposed to be king, so what are you going to do about it? And he says, Well, the Lord has established this. Let me go talk to my father David before he dies. David confirms it with him. You are to be king, Solomon, not your brother. That's what the Lord promised to me. So do whatever you wish to, to your brother, but he is not going to be king. So Solomon, he is established as king. He could have killed Adonijah, saying, Hey, you're a threat to me. I'm not going to let you be become uh, a threat in my kingdom and be try to be king and pull the people away from me. But he doesn't kill him; He just tells him go home. But later, Adonijah would die a gruesome death, but it wasn't from Solomon. But nevertheless, Solomon now in chapter 3 is where we are, is king over Israel. Again, the nation is not divided yet. That's after Solomon. But Solomon is now our character that we're going to be in for the next couple weeks. And Solomon's a tricky character. I don't, really get un- I don't really understand Solomon, even to this day, even to me as a youth pastor, and I've studied Solomon. I've studied the Bible so many times. I still do not understand this guy Solomon. He was a weird dude, all right? He was good, and then he just went so wicked that it, it honestly shatters my brain, where I'm like, how can you be such a good king and love the Lord and then do so much wickedness? Well, we'll tell you, I'll tell you that later in our study how that happens, but we're introduced to Solomon really in chapter 3, and I want to talk about today's subject. is not really on Solomon, it's not really on the kingship, it's not on Israel's division, it's really on one word, and it's wisdom. First Kings chapter 3, we're introduced to the subject of wisdom, which Solomon asks the Lord from above. So that is our title for today, Walk in Wisdom, and we're going to talk about what does wisdom look like today, and how can I attain it? Can I get wisdom? Can I have the wisdom of Solomon? Can, does wisdom just come naturally, or do I need to ask for it? We're going to talk about that. Wisdom is a, is a beautiful subject in the Bible, especially in Proverbs, which Solomon would write most of the Proverbs, and most of the subject in Proverbs is on wisdom. So chapter 3 is where we're going to be in. Look at verse 3. I want to read it, and then we're going to pray and talk about this subject of wisdom. 1 Kings 3, 3. It says here, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, well, you showed great and faithful love to your servant my father David because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. He's talking about himself. Verse 7, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people and nations so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you wise and understanding hearts, such as no one else has ever had before you or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up, realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand what wisdom is all about. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom from above, Lord, that we want to seek your face. We want to know you in a different way, and we ask that we would learn from the pages of your word and how Solomon attained wisdom from you, and Lord, we want the same thing for us today, and uh, we ask, Lord, that you would give us a discerning heart in a time where it's really never been before in history. Everyone, this this world is confused, and this world is pretty much messed up, Lord. So I pray that you would give us a discerning heart and mind on how to judge right from wrong. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. All right, let me ask you this. If Bill Gates, and I know he's not the richest man in the whole world, someone else beat him to it, but he had it. Who is the richest man in the world? Who is it? CEO of Amazon, yeah. Amazon's going crazy now, all right? Bill Gates was the most richest man on the planet for a long time. Bill Gates, if he asked you, you can have anything, what would you ask for? Don't answer, don't don't throw it out an answer. Just Just think about that, ponder that. Bill Gates, if he asked you, I'll give you anything you want, what would you ask for? That can be a tough question. Some of you can be like, oh, it's totally easy. Give me all your money. Then you're broke, Bill Gates. Broke bill. All right? Or you can simply say, well, I want a new car. Just give me the best car that's out there. All right? He can give that to you. Oh, you know what? I want a house right in Fiji on the water. Perfect. He'll give it to you. Now, I'm not saying all this because I want this. I'm just giving you some hypothetical. Well, I mean, it'd be nice, but I don't know. Uh, Anyway, I would basically tell him I'd like to be the... The CEO of Chipotle, but and I'd make it right, make it good. No E. coli, so we'll see. But I, I can wish. Anyway, or the president, or the owner of the entire NFL, NFL, in, in today that'd be awesome. Anyway, I'd make everyone Christian. Anyway, uh, all the players would be Christian. You cannot play if you're a, okay. Anyway, you'd probably yeah. I would I would actually get rid of the Cowboys too. Make the Redskins America's team. Anyway. Uh, if Bill Gates asked any of you a question of what you would like, what would you ask for? You probably ask for something extravagant, something amazing, something that oh, I would never be able to have this, so I'm going to ask you, Bill, all right? That's exactly in a way what God did for Solomon in a dream. Now this is not God talking to Solomon in person, or audibly, when he's, when he's coherent and he's awake. He's in a dream. He's sleeping. And God visits Solomon in a dream, and he asks him one simple question. He says, what do you want? That's, that's amazing. Now, you've seen Aladdin. Everyone's seen Aladdin, all right? You've got the genie, Robin Williams. Rest in peace, all right? You've got the genie. You rub the bottle or whatever. I haven't seen in a long time. Aladdin gets three wishes or whatever. It's been a long time. But that's, it's kind of in that way what God is asking Solomon. Anything you want, Solomon, you can have anything you want. What do you want? It's a free gift, Solomon, that's what he says. Look at verse 6. Sorry, verse 5. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and says, "What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you." Going to give you anything, Solomon? Tough question, right? It sounds easy, but in the moment, I think it's a really hard question. And God asked Solomon a tough question and it's found in verse 9, the answer. Look at verse 9. And it's not entirely wisdom that Solomon asks for, but he kind of goes deeper into what he's really, truly asking. It's found in verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me again. Verse 9, Solomon says, "...give me an understanding heart..." You can underline that or write that down. "...understanding heart, so that I can govern your people well and know the difference, or NIV, distinguish between right and wrong." That's really his meaning of the question and his, and his meaning of the answer that he gives to God. He really says, God, I want kind of two things and it translates into wisdom. I want an understanding heart and then I want to know from right and wrong. It's like, really, Solomon? That's what you ask for? You can ask for anything you want and you ask just for a nice understanding heart and to know right from wrong. Now some of you would think, well doesn't he know right from wrong? Doesn't any of us know right from wrong? Here here is one thing that is God given for everybody. I don't care if you're a Christian or if you're a non-Christian, if you're an atheist or agnostic, it doesn't matter who you are on the planet, you are given something when you're made in the image of God, which everyone is made into the image of God. You're given something when you're born. It's called a conscience. Everyone has a conscience. And it's God-given because it kind of tells you in your heart, I know what's right from wrong. I may have to learn a little bit what it really is right, what really is wrong, but you basically know the difference between right and wrong, and you know it by the age of one or two years old. You just do. And I have a one-year-old daughter. She knows right from wrong. We are teaching her the best word in the English language. Does anybody know what it is? No. It's no. N-O. No. 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 the next word is stop. Stop. No. Stop. Stop. No. Why? Because what she's doing is she's starting to get into trouble. And now she's learning. Oh, now she's learning. And she knows that dad's favorite thing in the entire planet and in my household is the remote. Okay, let's picture this as the remote, all right? You don't touch the remote. I touch it. I control the TV. My wife hates it, but it's just natural. Every guy can relate to this, all right? Don't mess with the remote. My daughter messes with the remote now. <sighs> she likes to take them, she's chewed on them, she's gotten saliva, and I'm like, why are you chewing the remote? You don't do that, you don't chew remotes. What if we did that today? <laughs> Sorry, were you just chewing the remote? <laughs> Sorry. You know, that'd be weird, all right? She chews them. Actually, she broke the remote. We had to kind of fix it and get it replaced or whatnot because so much saliva had gotten into the keyholes or whatever. It always just kept saying, mute, 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 mute. <laughs> well, I was like, what happened? We don't, we, don't, we don't chew on the remote, honey, okay? And now, guess what she does? She plays a little game with me. She understands now. She's learning. Her brain is functioning. And when I say, hey, can you give him the remote? She takes the remotes because she walks away with it, and then she does this. She reaches out for it, and then when I reach for it, she goes, <laughs> and I'm saying, "Where did you learn that?" I'll tell you where she learned it: sinful birth. <laughs> she's got a sin nature, and I'm learning that. Wow, you are sinful, truly. You are sinful at birth. You're a pagan. You need to get saved. <laughs> she's won. Now I know that I'm, I'm kind of being joking around, but that she's learning now. She knows what's right and wrong, and she laughs by taking Dad's remote away. <laughs> like a little leprechaun. <laughs> is that creepy or what? Just dream of leprechauns tonight when you go to bed. <laughs> Maybe not. Alright. My mind is going K wire. Anyway, what are we talking about? Wisdom! Yes! Leprechauns! What did you learn in the youth group today? Leprechauns. Okay. No you didn't. Wisdom. Alright. So my, my daughter already knows right from wrong. You knew right from wrong from an early age. And then when you kinda of get older, you understand, okay, since this is right, and this is wrong, I need to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. But the Bible actually tells us that once we actually start to get older and we know right from wrong, our conscience, the word conscience appears numerous times in the Bible. Everyone on the planet has, the con- has a conscience. When you get saved, you've got the brother of the conscience, the better conscience, the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you've got a conscience and the Holy Spirit. You've got double whammy, alright? If you're not saved, you only got a conscience. So everybody knows right from wrong. And Solomon asks, I want a discerning heart to know right from wrong. So if you read that, it's like, well, don't you already know that, Solomon? You're an adult. You don't know right from wrong. Actually, right from wrong here on earth can sometimes be a little bit messed up from the definition that God has between right and wrong. God has clearly stated in His Word what is right and what is wrong. What is right is considered really righteousness. It's easy to remember. What is wrong is considered sin. It's easy to remember. When you're in sin, that means you are in the wrong. When you're doing right, it means you are righteous. You're doing the right thing. You're, you're godly. You're being more like Jesus. But once you start doing wrong, you can start to become a sinner. You're, you're, we're all sinners, but you can start sinning, and you know that you're in the wrong. Now, there is, the Bible does say that there are some people that know right from wrong, and they struggle with doing the right, and they always do the wrong. God says, just pray for them. We're going to get that people right back on track. There are some people, though, that's in a very dangerous spot where they know right from wrong, but they continue to do wrong and they don't do right. That's where it's dangerous. Solomon says, God, I just want to know right from wrong in a deeper, more intimate way, and I want it from you, Lord. I want to know right from wrong to distinguish what's good and evil so I can govern your people the right way. That's what he says. He wants discernment. He wants wisdom He wants to truly know right from wrong. In our world right now, if you you go on any Instagram, Facebook, social media, you watch the news or anything, you will now see what people think is right and what people think is wrong. All right, And Isaiah actually told us and gave us this warning that this would happen, and it's slowly happening, where people now say wrong is right and right is wrong. Isaiah said that. He said, woe to the nation or the people that starts to say, right is wrong and wrong is right. And when he says, whoa, that's W-O-E, saying you better be careful because judgment could come upon you. When we start saying, hey, you know what? This used to be right, but let's just, let's just kind of make it a wrong thing. We don't, we don't really like to talk about the Bible in school. You know that used to be an okay thing, right? Like back in the olden days when your grandparents were in school, reading the Bible was acceptable. Now, reading the Bible, praying, you guys hear about this football coach that is basically getting trampled on for praying, not just with the students, but by himself on the 50 yard line at a high school football field. The school says, you can't do that. He's basically being fired and stripped from all his coaching duties. He's suing the school now and actually getting some ground of, of gaining of, of what to do now because he says, this is ridiculous. This is my right, I'm a Christian, I can pray. But now schools are saying, no, 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 you can't even do that, it's offensive and we're gonna fire you for it. It's it's amazing now what, what is right and wrong and now what is wrong, people say, well, this used to be bad, but you know, it's not that bad. Let's just say, hey, it's, it's okay right now. Once you start saying it's okay, then you start saying, hey, it's actually good. Once you start saying it's good, it, you actually start saying, hey, it's acceptable now. Now it's the norm. And I don't even have to tell you what, what is now trending in our world, even with gender identity and what, what is going on now. With, where right was wrong and wrong is right now and we need all we need to all accept each other and accept what's going on in the culture because culture is changing and we need to follow it we don't need to follow culture culture is always changing but guess what doesn't change God's Word and God clearly says what is right and wrong what sin is and what sin isn't and that's what Solomon wanted and he got it he got wisdom from above But I want to ask you this, what exactly is wisdom and how can I have it? You may be asking that. What exactly is wisdom, how can I have it as well? Basically, you can look at it this. I like to look at it knowledge versus wisdom. Everybody knows what knowledge is and here's the the contrast, it's wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. You can study all you want, you can learn so many many things, you can study so many books and you can accumulate a lot of information and it becomes knowledge. You just know everything. It's called a know-it-all, all right? We don't like those, all right? I'm just kidding. I like them. But knowledge is the accumulation of information. Wisdom is the application of that information. How do I take this information and now apply it in a godly, wise way? That's what wisdom is. And a lot of people have so much knowledge in this world, but not wisdom. And if you look at the disciples also, they didn't have a lot of education. They didn't have a lot of knowledge of of basic academics in that time. But the, the people of Israel and Acts, the leaders of Israel, the Sanhedrin, saw Peter, James, and John and the other disciples and said, they noticed that they were just ordinary men without any education. But there was something about them. They had been with Jesus. They were wise because they had been with Jesus. They didn't have an education. They didn't need it. I'm not saying education is bad, get an education. It does help, but wisdom is supreme. That's actually in Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. You can write that down. Wisdom is supreme above all else, wisdom. Therefore, get it. Get wisdom, because it's supreme above all else. It's gonna guide you, it's gonna guard you, it's gonna protect you. It's the knowledge of God basically poured out on you. It's his wisdom. Wisdom is supreme above all else. And I want to end with these things. Three things that we can take home from Solomon's response and his posture toward the Lord in asking for wisdom. Three things. They all start with the letter A. It's easy to remember. All right? Write these down. Number one, he acknowledges God is great. That's verse six. acknowledges God is great. Number two, he admits that he needs help. He's admitting he needs help. Translation, he's humble. That's verse seven and eight. And then number three, he simply asks. He asks for wisdom, verse nine through 10. Number one, when we said acknowledges God is great, Proverbs three, verse six, we all know this. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. If you acknowledge God in all you do, publicly and privately, he's gonna direct your paths. The Bible says to acknowledge God before men and he will acknowledge you before the angels in heaven and everybody else. But if you do not acknowledge God before men and disown him, he will disown you before the angels in heaven. It's a pretty explicit passage, but it's in there. Jesus said that in Matthew. Acknowledge God in all your ways. He's going to direct your paths. That's what Solomon does in verse 6. He acknowledges that God is great. When he says in verse 6, he says basically, you showed great and faithful love to your servant David, and now you've showed great and faithful love toward me, and I'm not even worthy of it. He acknowledges, God, you are so great in all that you do. That's his first good step into wisdom. That's our first step into wisdom. Acknowledge that God is always greater than you and me. He's greater than everybody else on this planet. Number two, we have to admit that we need help. Pride comes before the fall. God hates pride. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we admit we need help, we're in humility. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, Solomon would actually write this. Proverbs 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride comes disgrace. Humility comes wisdom. We need to be humble before the Lord, (laughs) just like Solomon was in verses 7 through 8 when he said, You've made me king instead of my father David, but now I'm like a little child. He wasn't a little child at this time. He's in his 20s and 30s. But he's saying, I'm like a little child in in the sense that I don't know what to do, God. You've got to help me on this. I don't know what to do. Do you ask God the same thing? Or do you say, no, I've got this. Lord, I really don't need you on this one. I've got it. Or do you admit that you need help in every single circumstance in your life? That's what he wants from us. He wants us to come with humility. Admit that we need his help. That's what Solomon does. And number three, simply asks for it. Verses nine through 10 is where he says, give me understanding so that I can govern your people and know the difference. He asks for it. And I love this verse, James chapter 1, verse 5. This is for any of us now. So if some of you are saying, what is wisdom? We just talked about that. Now, how do I attain it? I, there's really no magic potion for it, all right? It's really simply ask. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to them. Really, all i got to do is ask. That's all you got to do. Now, it comes with humility. It comes with faith. And it also comes with acknowledging that God is greater than you. But after those steps, God, I'm asking for wisdom. And I'm asking for wisdom from above. James chapter 3 talks about that. You can write that down. We're not going to look into it now. Our time's escaped us. But James chapter 3 talks about God giving wisdom to those that ask for it. Because there's a difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. This earth right now says, well, I've I've got the wisdom for you. Take it. God says, actually, the wisdom of the world is foolish in my sight. Here's the wisdom from above. Ask for wisdom. Let us do the same and ask the Lord for understanding, discernment between right and wrong, and wisdom from above. If some of you are feeling, you know what, I don't really have wisdom. I don't really know sometimes what to do in situations. I don't really have discernment on what's really right and wrong. I need help. You can come talk to me, but I can only do so much. You can come talk to other pastors. You can come talk to the leaders. They can only do so much. The best person you can go to is Jesus. I have to go to Jesus to find wisdom. There are times where I not only have to ask wisdom to govern the youth ministry or to, to know what to do in church situations or to know what to do when you ask me tough biblical questions. Tyler, what is it? Oh, no, here it comes. I've got to know wisdom right then and there. I've got to ask the Lord to give me a discerning heart, especially in this world today and especially with you guys now going into your new school year. This is the best thing you can ask for right now for school and for your life right now, wisdom. Do you have it? If not, ask for it. If you do, remember to be humble, to always acknowledge that God is greater. Amen? That's what Solomon does, and we can do the same as well. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll be done. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.